0: So the question is always the same, how do I get into real estate investing if I have no money? How do I find deals? How do I negotiate deals? How do I find contractors and manage rehabs? How do I get the money to even buy these houses, to hold these houses? How does a rental work? How do you manage a rental? How do you manage tenants? How do you borrow money? How do you borrow money with almost no interest? How are all these things done and how are they done the right way? Well, I am John Barbera, and this is an investor's journey where we share with you how to invest in real estate the right way and how to get into it with no money, how to do this with real tactics that are working today in the market that we're in right now with things that we are personally doing. So welcome to the show. Why is it that we do a market update? What, and how is it that we look at a market update when we pull data when we pulled uh all this stuff from the market what is it that we're looking at why are we pulling it how are we using the data so i wanted to really cover that because there's a lot of people that they they like the market update yet they'll text me later and be like you know hey so what are some good zip codes and i'm just like we're giving you the information <laughs> you know but they don't know how to use it they don't know how to combine the information so i wanted to really make sure to put that together in a way that it's like, this is how we do it. This is how it works for us. And hopefully this helps you guys listening. So if you have any questions while we're doing this, put it in the chat below and we'll make sure to uh, get to those questions. But for me, the biggest reason when we started doing the market updates is we used to go to Ria here uh, and the um, owner of the Ria, she used to put the market updates and she used to talk about the how to zip codes and all of that. And then we stopped going to that RIA and it, it, to a point she had stopped doing that for a while. Well, she had somebody a vendor putting it
1: on that actually gave a great report and yeah. then that vendor no longer they had a falling out and then they stopped with
0: the report. Yeah. And, and, yeah. So it but it was still excellent data because we used that data to choose where we were going to be marketing. So that's when you started pulling that data together and you know you figured out how to do it, how to use all the resources and everything to pull that data. And it's been helping us ever since. Every time we're gonna be investing, every time we're gonna be buying, we know if we're gonna move on a property fast or not based on the market updates that you do. Because based on that data, based on the prices, based on everything, we know where we're gonna be in this market. We know the market very well. And when we start branching off to other cities and other states, we're gonna be doing pulling the same exact data because we're gonna be determining what spots are the best spots to be in. So with all that being said, the biggest data, what, what is the data that you actually need? Not, not how to pull it yet, we'll cover that after. But what is the data that you actually need when you're pulling a market update to determine what neighborhoods, what zip codes, what areas, what price points, what's that data look like?
1: Uh, well, I mean, a lot of it is everyone here talks about months of inventory, And when you hear us all talk about supply and demand, supply and demand, there's too much demand, not enough supplies. Like what is, and that relates to months of inventory. So your balanced market is somewhere between six to six and a half months of inventory. I've never seen that market because it's been below that ever since. Right. Uh, but, That is where they say the equilibrium is between buyer and seller to where you have your average appreciation of two to 3% in housing prices. No buyer or seller has any negotiating power over each other. That's where you get your balanced equal market. Now, anything below six months of inventory and the way inventory is calculated, if you look at the rate of consumption, say on July one, so you, or, Basically, how, no, sorry, let me rephrase that. The number of houses that sold in the month of June. Say there's 100 houses that sell in the month of June. And on July 1, how many houses are for sale? So now that puts a benchmark of like, all right, this is how many have for sale. And this is how fast houses sold. And that tells you your month's inventory. So if you have hundred houses that sold in June and 300 houses available for sale in July one, that means you have three months of inventory. So if the same rate of consumption continues, how many months would it take for you to consume all of your inventory? So to get to a balanced market, you'd have to need to have, have hundred sales in June, and you anywhere from 600 to 650 houses on the market for sale in July to have a quote unquote balance market. Now the problem like that is, is right now in San Antonio, we have hundred houses that sold in June and only 120 houses for sale. So that only leaves 1.2 months of inventory on the market, which means that there is massive, massive demand and not in your near enough supply. So you have a lot of buyers fighting over those houses. So when you have those low months of inventory, that drives prices up and that means that appraisers but people are willing to pay more you have bidding wars that are ensuing you have people paying like in austin their example is they have 100 houses that sold in june and only 50 houses for sale yeah so that's how you get 20 30 50 dollars over asking prices because the biggest buyer with the most cash is just like, you know what, I'll take whatever it is and I'll bid it out and I'll pay for it to get it. So that drives housing prices up. So when we do our market updates, that's what we're looking for is those imbalances. Like where is the most in demand price points and zip codes that has that month inventory based on a sales volume? Because also you can have very low inventory to where it's like, You look at the million-dollar mark, and it's like, well, you only have half-month inventories. Yeah, only like 10 houses sold, though. Yeah. So it's not a lot of demand.
0: Well, and then I think something very important to keep in mind when you're talking about that is if you're not in Texas, you don't have the privilege of getting the market updates we put out um, because we only focus in the Texas market right now. But if you're not in Texas, when you're determining, hey, is this state, city, town worth me investing in? That's the first thing you need to look at because if you want to determine where's this market, is this market hot? Is, and it's the, easy information yeah. to pull. Yeah. You could ask and we're going to cover uh, how to pull. Well, the data. I mean, and just in general, but, like yeah. just we'll cover that for here. But yep. like, if you wanted a basis,
1: quick tip to that, call any realtor and say, "Hey, over the last uh, thirty days, how many houses sold in that market? We'll probably, the last call? Kind of, no, 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 just every single house, single family houses. How many sold, yeah. and how many are for sale today? That's and then, all the and number the you realtor know.
0: says. Huh. Great question. Probably don't work with them.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's simple. MLS search. You can get the right. basic data just to get a basic month of inventory. It's like, is this hot right now? All right. To not worry. And then you can break into that data a whole lot further. But that's a quick way for a quick analysis of any city, any metro, any certain section. It's like, I just need how many houses sold in the last 30 days and how many houses for sale today. And this are two numbers you need. So, so you know. to
0: compile, the, you need the months of inventory. In order to get that, you need the number of sales right? So you can get that, you get that information, you understand what the months of inventory are. Then some other data that you pull is median price. What would, why does that matter? Well, I like the median price because that just shows like, where is the middle ground? Like,
1: where is your median house that everybody can afford? So then I take that information and we use that as like, okay, that's where the median price is. So I mean, you got half below and half above kind of price points like i want to buy below the median price point because now that shows that like hey and then when you look at the months of inventory number sales the numbers agree that and here in san antonio the bulk of our sales like a third of our sales are below the median price points and the highest months or the lowest months of inventory are still in those zip codes when you have high sales volume and low months of inventory below the median price point it's like that's where I want to be marketing because that now makes it a much safer bet on our point. Cause that's what investing is. It's all a bet that, Hey, this is going to be a good investment. That prices aren't going to fluctuate too much on me to a negative, not going to go down because it shows there's massive demand and low inventory to feed that demand. So especially for buy and holds, it's like, Hey, if I can buy in the medium price point or below that, those price points over the long term, that means my pricing value is going to go up or my housing value is going to go up.
0: And why is it that we don't care about average price point
1: because you can have just one massive sale that can just throw that off it's like okay so you have one you only have so many 10 million dollar houses here in san antonio there's very few of them but two of those sell in a month and it can sway that average price exactly And by the tens of thousands the reason
0: i bring that up is how many times do we hear especially realtors they're like oh the average price in san antonio is x i'm like that means absolutely nothing well it's also our average price is like 390 grand, but our median is like, like
1: 300 right. it's like i want to know what the median is like where is the exactly. middle ground of the average person buying like right in the center that's what your quote unquote average person can afford is that median price i can't afford that average because it's like because you have these massive sales that just like
0: really can skew those prices. And, and that plays the same with why you pull median rents right you pull the median rents for the same reason
1: yeah Exactly. So So I want to know where the bulk of the sales are for this exact same reasons. Like I don't want to be buying houses. Like how those numbers can skew if you don't know that. It's saying like, hey, look, the eight hundred thousand dollar price point has really low months of inventory, and the twenty or four thousand dollar a month is the exact same. It's very low. It's like so that should be a great price point to buy. What you're not paying attention to is like, no, but you only had. Fifty houses selling that price point when you had six hundred selling lower, and the same thing for the rents. It's like only forty houses rented for that amount. It's like that doesn't make a massive demand. Yeah. It's like that that's more of your average price point. That's where an area that can be very volatile. It's hot now, but like a few people drop off, those rents are gonna have to fall, and they don't fall 25 dollars of a four thousand dollar rent does not make a bit of difference. Nope. It's kind of like we talk about those high price points. If you're like Eight hundred thousand dollar house dropping the price five grand doesn't make a bit of difference, but in the two hundred thousand dollar price point in the fourteen hundred dollar rent price point, three seventy five makes a big difference. Two hundred to two hundred five, or other way around, two hundred five to two hundred makes a big difference in showing yep. demand. So now you get a whole nother price point of people that can afford it. So that is why you uh, you have to understand those numbers and what those actually mean. That's why you can't just focus on just one piece of data. Yeah. You got to dig into it. So like I said, you ask those realtors to get those numbers and you say how many sold. So now you can kind of break down and dig into price points and things, but that's a great way to see like, is this hot or not? It's like, I just want to know the number of sales to where if it's a very low number, but the price point or the month's inventory is low. It's like, eh, yes, you have the demand now, but there's not a lot of people that are buying. Yeah. So there's only just a few people buying in that market. So, uh, so
0: make sure you're subscribed to this channel because uh, well, as soon as we release the market update and everything, you will be able to get it. And you will even if you don't live in Texas, um, you'll at least get a very, very good idea of what it is that data that we compile and everything so you understand it. Uh, if you need to pull it in your area, your city, what are other data points that you are looking at when you're pulling the market update?
1: Uh, some big things that, I mean, I think it are precursors to housing market is unemployment to where if you have high unemployment, like, and we, that's why a lot of people got the, got, well, they didn't, they got it wrong, but they had their analysis was right. Of is like unemployment went through the roof. Like if people don't have jobs, they can't get mortgages. Right. Like if you don't have a W2 income from a job like you're screwed for trying to get any type of financing and that came after the wake of 2008 which i think was good so that's why everything we're happening now is because when uh the shortages were having because and when it all started unemployment through the roof everybody went home in lockdown, mills stopped investing. They stopped planning because uh, builders stopped building because they're like, crap, we're, we're going to have a massive recession now because, like, nobody's going to want to buy houses. Look at all this unemployment yeah. stuff like that. Nobody thought the government was going to come in and do the things they did, and you had the opposite effect. Um uh, but that's why we're having those problems. Like they follow these unemployment rates, but that is another reason that I do track those things is like, I want to know what the overall employment rate is doing as far as not just the employment rate, but the number of jobs that are being created is our population growing with that To Is the number of jobs being created? So I don't want just a stagnant job market and just people going to work. I like, I want to see new jobs created along with a growing population there's nothing worse for real estate values than a declining job market and declining population as you have because then it's just like there's people leaving you have supply of housing and there's nobody there to consume those houses mm-hmm. so that can cause prices to fall so here in texas we have uh we've never lost i was just looking at this the other day uh on one of our sources to as a comparing to like okay look at our texas markets compared to like say a california market where california's population has declined in the past and it Currently, is like just barely, it's stagnating where that can be detrimental to real estate values over the long-term. So that's nothing you want to continue to see is a long-term projection of growth of population and employment. employment. And then the unemployment is your kind of your short-term thing of like, hey, where's the unemployment rate right now? And if it's starting to tick up and you can't find anything in the market of like, why is unemployment rising? Yeah. So that it would be a concern. At least this last time, it's like, we knew what did it. It's like we knew there was a problem and you fix that problem and it goes away. You get a vaccine out that's going to go, that should go away and you should normalize things.
0: So, any other data points that you like to look at? Anything uh, else other than like those seem to be the most important ones? Those are the
1: ones, big but- ones uh, for sure. But new starts is like that's your home builder confidence mm-hmm. aspect of it. Are people because like builders, it, it's hard for us to get money. Uh, we, we don't qualify for any of the like the EIDL loans uh, that kind of came out, the economic impacts that they're not favorable to developer, which is another reason we have problems financing, because like it is a big risk for a financial institution to come in and saying like, hey, uh, I'm backing this asset for you, but you are a major linchpin, whether this is successful or not. That's why you get low rates on a house It's like, OK, there's an asset there that I have, you default. I can get the house back and I can resell it to somebody else. But. If I'm lending on broad dirt and land and materials, and you go bankrupt and stop paying me half with your development, I can't. The bank can't step in there and oh, I got a whole team of people that can just go and finish the development for you. That's yep. not how it works. Like a house, where it's like oh, a house is done. I can foreclose on. I can sell it, sell it off. So for us, that is uh, harder to do. So we are a product of the current market. So I do like to watch what are the new development permits being pulled because that shows that investors are investing in the market. They do believe in the housing market. They do believe in where the industry is going and they feel good. Now, that can turn on a complete dime like we saw in April right now because when you guys pay attention and watch the market update, our year-over-year growth in permits is through the absolute roof. But it's also, you look at, and a lot of the data is based off of April, May of last year, which is right as the pandemic was started. So it was the absolute when everyone just froze. So yeah, now we're going from freezing to booming. But it's one of the things you kind of watch over term, kind of go back to previous times to see, is the market expanding? Do builders feel confident in spending the money? And we're very cautious industry because we got smacked around so hard by 2008 and saw so much economic pain come from that. So you kind of can get a slight gauge on that, but you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. So it's not a primary thing that we look at, but it is something that we look at.
0: Well, and that's something that, why it's so important to be able, we archive all of our market updates, everything, because that way you can actually go back and compare month over month. Like in this point, like we talked about when we do the market updates, year over year makes it difficult because of 2020 being so such a crazy year, you know, a lot of shutdown, a lot of fear, a lot of everything that it, it's almost something like, should you start comparing month over month, quarter over quarter mm-hmm. to see, are we speeding up? Are we slowing? A podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you want to get very exclusive insider tips and strategies that nobody else is getting, then you need to join our text community by texting podcast to 2107949898. That's 2107949898. Text the word podcast and you will start receiving insider information things that are happening that we're realizing that we're implementing in real time that other people have no access to. So make sure you text us now. Now back to this show. Now, especially like this coming quarter is going to be the most important quarter, in my opinion, because we're moving into the hottest time of real estate moving. And it's like, what's this quarter going to do? Like, are we going to move faster than this this quarter, this quarter two and quarter one, or do we start seeing a slowdown? And then we have the winter months. What is that quarter going to look so like? That's so what, that's it's going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's what we're going to start looking at is because really June last year is when like the boom started. And so now as that data comes out, that's the information that I'm now going to start comparing year over year is like, are we continuing pace to when things were really hot last year? So so uh, where do you get this data uh, I get this information from number to, the MLS is a goldmine of information. The thing is, like, you do have to be a licensed real estate agent or know a licensed real estate agent, and then you got to find a licensed real real estate agent that's willing to pull this information for you, and you get that from the MLS. And that is an importance of like working with somebody that understands this or pulls it themselves already because it does take a lot of time to download this information and break it apart. I mean, we've outsourced a lot of that work to overseas uh, because it is very, very time-intensive. I think it takes them two days just to pull the information and separate it into the stuff that I put into that report. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's two full, long, eight-hour days of just downloading data, downloading data, downloading data. It's more data, than that. It's actually separate, closer to
0: 30 hours. Okay, 30 to put hours. Put uh, the data 30 hours to put all yep. that
1: information together. from, And that's just downloading literally the information from the MLS and separating it out. So it does take a lot of time to do.
0: Uh and then the time that it takes you to put it the actual presentation. Look how much we do for you guys. <laughs> My goodness. But um but you putting actual that information together, the graphs, everything to start because at first it's all Excel data. It's just data points. But until you really graph it out and you can see the trends, you can see yeah. the peaks and valleys, like that's when you get an overall picture of uh, Okay, so we're hit, we hit peaks uh, kind of like why we make sure that our rents all expire pretty much in March April timeframe because we want to rent in the pretty much the beginning of summer months. Exactly. So, uh, so we use the MLS. What what other data points?
1: Uh, so the MLS great source. Another ones is there's government websites. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the Bureau of Labor Statistics to get my unemployment data. That's basically where everybody gets it from because the government's the only one that has the power to take national stats like that and put them together. Yep. The bad side is like it can be significantly delayed. It can uh, be two, three months behind. And then it can regularly catch up. Then they can do adjustments. They can do all kinds of things. So that is another site that I use uh, for that. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics is a place that you can go. But I mean, you start into those websites and they just turn into this information that just goes all over the place. And it takes a while to understand. And the Fed sites are another good ones. Um, So those are government websites. So you have like the Dallas Fed, the St. Louis Fed, San Francisco, New York, Um, those federal sites, they track things like uh, national uh, interest rates and then consumption of certain aspects that you can kind of use. But another one, it's like, it's a grain of salt kind of research you're doing there. Or it's like one thing that could show you're tanking, but it's like, well, that has a very small effect on this stuff. But yep. if you can put your own analysis together, I mean, it is very beneficial. So government websites are another place that uh, we pull that information from.
0: Yeah. And there's one, uh, I think it's called city data, like city-data.org or something like that. You'll get a lot of demographics. You get a lot of like medium household income. You you get a lot of stuff like that. It's just like John says before, you know, it's uh, it's not always the most up-to-date data, but at least it gives you a decent idea if you're thinking of branching off into a new market. So where else? What other areas?
1: We have the... Here in Texas, we have a uh, called the Texas A&M Real Estate Center that puts out a lot of information. So I do pull a lot of stuff from there as far as um, that's where I get my building permits. I like to see how many permits are pulled, uh, what is population, what is inventory, and they, they have their own information there. So using those kind of websites is great. And, I mean, even they have national stuff on there too about the big MSAs. They compile data from all over uh, the nation. They have the most detailed stuff in Texas, for sure. But they have national information as well that you can go to
0: and pull that uh, information and that data from. Okay. And anywhere else? Uh, You did talk about uh, calling a realtor. So, I mean, one of the data points that I've seen that I used in the past, how I picked San Antonio, is uh, real estate agencies, Keller Williams, your big ones, uh, you go and a lot of them do put out market reports uh they do it more on like a quarterly basis they may not go in as much detail as we do because we're looking for investments we're looking for specific things but uh there are a lot of them that if that's all you got that's still you know well i mean it's kind of funny you go back like 10
1: years i feel like or even when i started this like they never none of them focused on months of inventory hmm. it was all this days on market days, days, on, on, market, market, days yep. on market and now you look at all the major metros and like what they put out months of inventory for their area i'm like huh Finally caught on that. that's the number you should focus on. Yeah, I think the right? days on markets,
0: it was a sales tax. There's a for lot of people that, co- that copy us. But um, yeah, so local agencies, realtor.com, I, I know they put out, and there are sometimes they put out a lot of stats that I'm interested in. Like sometimes they put here's out. A good,
1: here's a good resource it's called G O O G L <laughs> E. Yeah. Just doing it, research.
0: Yeah. If you go to, if you definitely, if you go to Google and you just type in your city, uh, real estate market data. Updates, stuff like that, you should be able to come up with the results of different resources and places like that. Mm-hmm. And if you live in Texas, the best resource for this is
1: this Us. guy. Yeah. These guys right there.
0: Boom. Uh, but yeah, on, on our channel, we put we do very comprehensive detail. And not just that, but one thing that you do excellent every time you do the market update is you break down different things uh, for people to understand better. So you've broken down months of inventory before you've broken down, you know, why we choose to lease our properties at certain areas, certain timeframes. Um, so that, I mean, you're, you're getting literally how we put this together for everything. All right. This is literally, we're not holding anything back. Uh, the one thing is like, we like John said, it does take a lot of time. You know, uh, we do have a VA that pulls a lot of this for us because, uh, you know, John's been able to put a whole system around this, but it still takes them like nearly 30 hours to put all of this data together. Um, now the next topic that I wanted to hit is how is it that we use this information? How do we use, once we pull it, we pulled all that data and you kind of been covering why it's important and everything, but how is it that we use it? Right. Um, combining things using different data points What what is it that we look at yeah i mean it's it's
1: all of those things i mean the month the inventory the sales data the stuff we just covered i'm not exactly sure what you're trying to get at there it's like well, exactly one
0: of the things that i use specifically especially when we look at uh what market we should be in and everything is like you talked about at the beginning you we take the medium price point right so we determine all right these are this is the medium price point And based on that, even medium price point, one of the data points that you pulled to is what are the hottest sale prices in this market, right? So you have ranges like on the market update, you'll see between 150 to 200,000, it's X months of inventory, 200 to 250, so on and so forth, right? So you see that and you say, okay, these price points have the hottest months of inventory. Mm -hmm. So now you start saying, okay, which are the zip codes that are the hottest zip codes? So now you find those zip codes. And one thing to keep in mind with the hottest, and we have the hottest and the worst zip codes. One thing to keep in mind is that there are bad areas in hot zip codes and there are great areas in bad zip codes, right? So you have to be able to pinpoint to the neighborhood based on the prices. So if you're maybe at your house is maybe in a, we always had it when you talk about the worst zip codes and we, we used to do this live uh, in, in a group area and you see people's faces like, oh, Oh, shit, I have a house there, there. you know? And it's like, well, yeah, but your house happens to sit perhaps in one of the good neighborhoods in that zip code. It's just the zip code overall. And San Antonio has a lot of zip
1: codes. Well, that's also why I you don't just look at an area and just a zip code. It's like you look at a price point and a zip code. Yep, You got to have both. Um, and then it's, you got to pull the neighborhood and see like, what's my inventory in my immediate area and what are they paying for? Is that we have a house right now that we're looking at. It's like, we're having a hard time comping it because it's so much smaller than everything around it. All the prices are sky high, but for houses, five, six, 700 square feet larger. So like, well, what's that put a value at our house? It's hard to determine. Yeah. So. But that makes us feel confident. It's like, well, that means nothing is selling at our price or for our square footage. So that means we could probably command a pretty high price for it, not as high as 700 houses that much larger, but we're going to have a pretty higher price per square foot because we are smaller and there's no inventory for those price points. Right. So we definitely do that. You have to pull your information for your immediate area. It's like, what are people willing to pay and how much inventory is there in that area? Because you can find new neighborhoods right next to houses built in the eighties and now you have 2020 builds. It's like, well, a 2020 build are selling for 320 grand. Well, that doesn't mean the 1980 build right next right across the street is gonna sell for 320 grand. It's like apples and oranges. Yeah. It's like you're still a housing market, but it's like it's a brand new house that's going to sell. So you can't sell for you to command that price when you're across the street or for older housing styles. So you have to look at those things and analyze that specific local area to that house. So you got the zip code, you're in the right zip code, you're in the right price point. You still got to check the neighborhood more times, nine times out of 10. If you've got those two things, you're going to be all right, but you do want to check because there is one neighborhood that over on our far West side, you have this pocket of really dilapidated rundown houses. And it's surrounded by an area that's it's in the right price point in the right zip code. It's probably Finally bled over, but three years ago, it was like you didn't. You if you just looked at that, you'd be buying a lemon, and because it was just a terrible area, and there was a stigma around that neighborhood after the two thousand eight, after the Katrina hurricane came through, that it really pushed a lot of values down for that specific zip code or that specific neighborhood to where you
0: had good parts about the east side. Yeah, that's what I said. At the west side, you no, and your east and west. I'm, I'm and the whole time I'm going through my head, I'm like, All right, what sorry. neighborhood I on the west east side? And west.
1: I, that's a like dyslexic <laughs> towards that,
0: and I've always been so. I'm talking far east side, there's some zip codes, yes. some neighborhoods over on the yes. east side okay, gotcha. that
1: uh, you got to give yourself a, a, yes. a margin of error. Well, to- and,
0: and it's the same thing like if you're looking for rentals, you're looking for rentals, you do the same thing, what is the medium rental price, and then you start looking for neighborhoods that meet that median rental price because you wanna make sure you're picking up rentals that are actually gonna get rented, that have a large demand behind that price point. And chances are, if there's a large demand behind that price point, whenever prices rise, that price point is also going to rise. That neighborhood, that area is also going to rise because it's catering to that demographic of people, the bulk of the people. And that's definitely what we do. When we look at rentals, when we look at areas like that, how do we pick the neighborhoods that we want to pick up rentals in and everything's, we're looking at it. We we don't want to be too high on the rents and we don't want to be too low on the rents because yeah. we want to be in that sweet spot. And that's why all of our, even before, pre-pandemic, all of our houses will get rented within like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Every single time we put a house on the market. And it wasn't, yes, we do good work and we do everything, but it's the analysis of being able to cater to a high demand area that you're putting exactly what they want on the market. So it's gone instantly. So your turnover, everything, it affects all of those things.
1: And I wanted to uh, add into like two questions we have here on our our chat Mm -hmm. about some other good information uh, that you can use. And that is uh, U-Haul is a good data as well as like checking prices of like what it takes you all to go from San Francisco to Austin, Austin, San Francisco and seeing what those prices are. And like when you, I mean, it's the same distance, but it shows where the demand is at. So they're trying to get trucks to go from, Austin, they give like $300 to go from Austin to San Francisco because they need the trucks in San Francisco to move people to Austin because they can charge $1,400 coming back the other direction. Yeah. So it's another information that you can do. Um, And then you have a question here from Kyle about getting mass zip code information or credit scores or certain areas. I really don't think you can get a credit score average. You can get their credit scores when you're doing tenant applications and you can get like an average range that they fall in between of where we get our information. Say, Hey, we want, uh, their credit score needs to be between 650 and 700 and you can give a grade of a minus or what is was it like D D plus C minus C and you can get those ranges and it'll give you a color and they fall in that range. Now on a mass area, I don't think you can, but when you alluded to like going to CityData.com, you can look at such things as what is your typical person with a lower credit score usually have as like, you're going to have lower housing prices. You're going to have higher crime rates and you're going to hire, you can get like uh, purchasing, like look at the number of like used car lots, uh, the number of like m- liquor slo- stores, liquor stores, casino, uh, convenience stores, um, Starbucks lack of like start, but like your higher end brands, like you're not going to find a Whole Foods down in a place where the median price point is 80% or below. Uh, So looking at that data, you can pretty much make a bet that, hey, these credit scores are going to be a little lower in this area.
0: And it's the same why we don't look at when people say, what about the school districts? What about this? What about that? And it's not that it doesn't matter, but when you look at the median rents, the median price points, the, the hot zip codes, all of that, it's telling you where people want to be. So yeah. it doesn't matter, you know, whether the school, what the school district is, none of that crap matters. What matters is that people want to be there, yeah. right? So that's what, as, a, as really? a landlord, and the same with credit score, you're saying, you know, but how, how do you know the credit score in the area and everything? It doesn't matter. If that area has that price point, then that means you'll, those people... If,
1: if those things make a difference, you'll see it. Exactly. Like you pull a zip code and you it, cross it a major road it. and all of a sudden you see a $50,000 price point. You're like, something is there. And if you drive in, it's like, these are the exact same houses. I can't figure it out. There's an external factor that you can't see, yeah. like a school district or some kind of... It goes from city to county um, to where you see there's a big difference in price point. You'll see, I, I love... I remember this getting in an argument with a broker one time and you could tell they were looking at it like, Oh, this is a great investment because you have the schools it's near shopping. You have all these things and it's like, it's going to go up. And like, I told him, like, but all of that is already priced into the price point. Like yeah. I've been a broker for 25 years. I know exactly what these things are talking about. It's like, you've been a broker representing retail people. And that's what retail people care about yeah. It's like, Hey, I want it for, because I want to be in this school district. And that's why they think the school district matters much. We do a lot of retail. But when you're doing the investment style, it's like the data will tell you what people want, where you might specialize in that. Your clientele wants that school district. So you think, oh, people want to be here just because of school district. Oh, I can tell you, I go right over here to this other school district and I see the exact same house for the exact same price and it rented, almost rented or sold in the same amount of time frame. School district really doesn't matter. Yeah, people want to live in that school district versus this one, but they're fine going to this school district because they want to be in this area. Yeah. So, that,
0: that that I think would matter as far as, I think that's a data that definitely matters to realtors, not investors. Mm. Investors, uh, whether you're doing buy and hold, fix and flips, anything of the investment realm, you're looking at these data points that we shared because these data points are going to give you that same information anyway. Well, that's
1: why you have to be, like I mentioned, you have to be careful with the real estate agent yeah. uh, and who they are to where you can get information from them, but you also have to ask the question in the right way to where they can get you the information that you're wanting.
0: And you need to be able to read the results yourself, not listen to their interpretation of the yeah. results. I
1: like, just because you have a real estate license does not mean you're an expert no. at real estate. It's like, mm, you, most people, oh. like you have a real estate license, so you're an expert in sales. Yeah. In the realm of real estate. To where somebody's a great car smith salesman, they could probably come into real estate and be a great real and estate And it's the same when we talk about person. rehabs
0: and renovations and everything, like, you can get a GC license. Not that difficult to get a GC license. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're a good GC. It doesn't mean that you're a good contractor. It just means that you have a license. You know what I mean? That's, that's it. And the same with a real estate agent. It doesn't mean that you're a great real estate agent. It just means that you got your real estate license. Um, yeah, yeah you, you have sales volume. It's you like, do okay, have you're good at marketing. fiduciary responsibilities and everything. It doesn't mean that you need to abide by them. Uh, we see real estate agents a lot that break the rules and shit like that it's like it still doesn't stop somebody from screwing up or not knowing what they're doing which is why you cannot rely on anybody's stuff you need to understand and this is why we did this whole part is for you to understand data not just because we're telling you this is what it is means that you should take our word for it it's like learn it understand it that way when you're starting to see hey man you know i'm in austin and it sucks picking up properties here. I can't find rentals. I can't find this. I can't find that. Well, maybe you should branch off to another city. Well, which one? This is the data that you need to start pulling. You we know, you start using this go. data. This is how you're going mean, to
1: And that's one thing, like when it comes to investing, like you can't, you, it's hard to do, uh, but you have to bring your natural tendency to be biased towards a certain thing out of it. you have mm. to get emotion out of it. it's like it's data driven that's why it's like you as the investor it's your money you're the one taking the risk so you're the one that needs to understand how to use this information how to manipulate it. don't rely oh my property manager says i should do this yeah well ask yourself like well how's the property how does this information benefit the property manager or why is it property manager giving me this information and it's like what is their motive like everybody does it like everybody some kind got of motive. Everybody's yep. got some kind of underlying motive that benefits yep. them some way, shape, or form. And you need to figure out that biases to where you have a lot of terrible property managers, but they're some of the biggest property managers in town but because they're very good at marketing and they get you roped in there and they're keeping you in those contracts. So you kind of have to ask like this information that I'm asking you, like, why are you giving it to me? Even when you call a random real estate agent in some random city and say, you want this information, why are they giving it to you? Because they are hoping that they can give enough
0: information to you that you will use them as their service. And it's fine. It's just, you need to understand, is that information good or bad? Yes. You need to determine that. So hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, little, Conversation that we had on how to look at the market update, how to pull your own data, how to uh, do your own analysis to figure out where you need to be. This is going to help you with marketing. You're going to be doing any driving for dollars, pulling lists, uh, you know, trying to filter through certain zip codes so your list it's not you know ten thousand plus properties. Uh, this is the data that we use every time to niche down to figure out our marketing, our strategies, and where we invest. So hope you guys enjoyed that. And if you have any questions about it, keep dropping. Don't it. go anywhere because we're
1: not ending the show yet. Just saying. Why are you screaming like a psycho?
0: Because I just popped. It um, sounds like you're ending the make show. Make sure like, to put no. it below. Uh, and we'll get to those comments and responses. And always text market to two one zero seven nine four nine eight nine eight, 210-794-9898. And you'll, be, um, you'll have access to the zip codes, to the slides, to the presentation, to everything that we put out. Uh, so you can see that for yourself.